Good morning, 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 everybody. I'm so glad you guys are here. Hey, welcome to Fireside. Um, if you're new here, I'm Andy. Uh, this is Kate over here. Uh, we, uh, with a group of you guys, planted uh, almost five years. Actually, I think in a month, we will be officially five years old. You know what I mean? Woohoo! So, just learning how to read a little bit, learning our ABCs is kind of where we're at. Um, we are starting a new series that is called With Jesus. And this has been a series, this has been something that's been on, on my heart, Kate's heart, Connor and Liz's heart, of how, how do we live life recognizing that Jesus is here and what does that look like? And so I was really, really kind of... Uh, 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 figuring out, okay, I, I'm going to launch a series. Kate's going to preach next week. And uh, God, what do you, you want to say? And so for days and days and days, not really hearing a lot, knowing the direction, I picked up this random book uh, from Max Lucado, who was a, was a great pastor at the library. And then all these things kind of brought me to this one passage. And it was great affirmation that this is a word for the Lord for us. Everyone in this room, I believe that this is a word of the Lord for us this morning. And so, if you have your Bibles, if not, it's going to be on the screen. You're looking at Genesis 28. And I just want to give you a little bit of a background to what's happening. And at the end of the sermon, um, I'm going to share a little bit of our personal story that I have not shared publicly. And I felt like this is the time to do it. But before that, let's just dive into this uh, passage. And so, this is about Jacob. And so, Jacob was a grandson of Abraham. This is Old Testament. So you have the world being created. Then you have the flood. You have all these things happen. And then finally, God says, you know what? I'm going to create a special group, you know. And I'm going to start with the Abraham. I'm sending Abraham. So Abraham and his wife, Sarai, get sent to an unknown place, not knowing where to go. And he says, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. I'm going to make many descendants. And he tells them, look in the stars. You can't even count these stars. That's how many descendants you're going to have. But here's the issue. Abraham is old. He's almost 100 years old. He's got no kids. Sarah is also old. And so this seemed like an impossibility. Abraham does have a child miraculously. His child was Isaac. And then Isaac, you know, has two kids, Jacob and Esau. So you think he's not really like getting into this promise, just one son and then two grandsons and that's it. And so Jacob carries on this promise. And so the story goes that, you know, Jacob and Esau are uh, twins. Esau comes out quickly. Jacob is holding onto his heel and Jacob wanted the blessing of his father, and so he does this exchange with his brother who was coming in from hunting, you know, and he's tired, and Jacob's making this delicious soup, and he says, hey, I'll give you uh, soup for your birthright, and Esau, in a moment of desperation, says, sure. So then Jacob gets the blessing. His father, who is ailing, can't see, gives Isaac the blessing, gives Jacob the blessing, not Esau, and so that's where we are. And then Esau realizes what's happened, and he wants to kill his brother. And he says, now that my father is old, it's time for me to kill Jacob. And so Jacob flees his family, flees for his life. Are you with me? This is where we are today. 
And this is where we read in 28 verse 10, Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and he lay down to sleep. And he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its tops reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And there above it stood the Lord. And he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham, and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. And when Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I was not aware of it. Lord, I pray that we would have an awareness of your presence in this moment. Lord, would you give us moments and glimpses of seeing that you are actively at work behind the scenes. And pray that these words are your words, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Have you ever looked for something only to find that was there right in front of you? You know, a couple weeks ago I, I talked about asking Kate where the pickles were. We had a lot of people come up to us saying, you know, like, I, I resonate with that with my marriage, blah, blah, blah. But there has been times where I'm in the fridge, and again, as stupid as it sounds, I ask where the pickles are. And this time, Kate's like, they're right there in front of you. Have you ever opened the refrigerator and said, you know, you're looking for the mayonnaise or the jelly or whatever, and you're, like, looking everywhere? Please tell me I'm not alone in this. And then all of a sudden, someone's, they're like smack in, in right at your eye level. And somehow, some way, you were blinded from that. A couple years ago, when I leave the house, I have a routine, right? You pick up my keys, I take my phone, and I go out the door. So I'm on the phone with Kate, and I got my keys, and I am searching the house for my phone. And I become late to my appointment, and I become desperate, and Kate can sense panic and Kate goes, what's wrong? And I said, I'm looking for my phone. And she says, you're on it. <laughs> it was there the whole time. I'm sure you have so many stories that are very similar to this. Max Lucado says this, we are always in the presence of God. There is never a non-sacred moment. His presence never diminishes. Our awareness of his presence may falter, but the reality of his presence never changes. And as Jacob said, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. But a question that I think we have is if God is here, then why is here so hard? Why is life so difficult? Surely if God was in this place, he would make my life a lot smoother, a lot easier. If you look at Jacob's story, after this awareness, it doesn't change much. 
In fact, the next thing that he says is in Genesis 29.1. It said, then Jacob continued on his journey. Think about where Jacob is right now. Jacob has left his family, his father, his mother, to a foreign land. He's fleeing for his life, not knowing if his brother Esau is going to come after him, try to kill him. He's sleeping in the middle of a field on a rock as a pillow. I mean, just imagine how he must be feeling. Imagine the place that he's in. What has my life come to? What is going on? I thought I was special. I thought, God, you had a promise for me, and here I am. We know that there are lions and bears during this time, so he could be scared of being eaten. And all of a sudden, he gets this glimpse. He had a promise, but if you're like me, sometimes a promise isn't enough. I need proof. And God is reminding Jacob that he is still at work, even though he can't see it. Look at the angels coming back and forth. There's a lot going on that you don't see behind the scenes. This spring, me and Steve and Connor and Ben Fitzgerald and Joel Spruance, we did this huge hike. I've talked about it before. Still, like, have a bum knee from it. And we get to the top of Mount Lafayette. We're 22 miles in. At the very top, a cloud comes in. We are hurt. We are desperate. And so we make a phone call. First time we've had cell service in the whole uh, hike. And I call Kate. I'm like, Kate, we got to get out of here. We're hiking down. But the problem is our car is still about seven miles away. So we need help. And at that moment, I lost cell service. And I remember talking to the guys, like, so what did they say? I'm like, I don't know, but I am trusting that they're at work on our behalf. And so what did we do? We kept on the journey. And we started hiking down. Finally, we got a phone call saying, here's a number. This lady will pick you up at this time when you get there. And everything was good. But I got to tell you what, it was scary because we were in rough shape. The, the sun had gone down. We had our headlamps on. We have no idea what's going to happen. And we're just putting a lot of faith in our wives to figure this thing out. And I think God's doing the same thing for us. He's actively at work behind the scenes. Craig Rochelle, a pastor down in Texas, says, Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. And then Jacob continues his journey. But he continues with an awareness of the presence of God. I wish we could say that he lived happily ever after, but no, he continues to have troubles and heart hardships. He has to work for his wife for seven years only to find out that her dad switched sisters on him. Weird story. Frustrating story. He does have sons, and these are the sons that end up being the tribes of Israel, Benjamin, Levi. But Joseph is missing. He thinks his favorite son is gone, dead, for years. So he continued to have his trials, but he continued with the journey knowing the awareness of Jesus. David Brenner says, we cannot attain the presence of God 
We're already totally in the presence of God. And what's missing is our awareness. And what we often do is when we want to be aware of God, we seek the presence of God, like the gifts of God, instead of seeking his presence. This has been a shift for me in the last couple of years. I don't know about you, but when I come to the Lord, I kind of come to him as if he's Santa Claus. All right, God, here is my request. Here are the presents that I'm looking for. I want this, I want that, and the list goes on and on. But what if we were to shift and say, Lord, I don't want the presence. I don't want to be focused on that. I just want to be focused on your presence. Are you here? Reveal yourself to me. If you are present... Think about it. If you saw Jacob's vision and you were aware of his presence, how would that impact your journey? I think it would change a lot. No matter what came your way, it's like, I got Lord God Almighty with me. He is aware. And I just want to be very truthful that Jesus is actively work and he is present. Do you have eyes to see it? I know this is amazing when we gather and God is no longer present here than he is when, he, when you're on your commute to work. But something like this can create an awareness, carves out time. I challenge you to do this on your own time. I have been shifting certain things in my lone time to more of just being in the presence of God. And when we value the presence of a God, it will change our urgency and our persistence to find it. Tony Evans says a story that his boy, uh, this little boy, lost his contact lens in his room. And so he couldn't find it. He's searching everywhere. His mom comes in, and mom helps him find his contact lens, finds a contact lens pretty quickly. And the boy says, Mom, how did you find that so quickly? And she says, you were looking for a contact lens. I was looking for $250. It was the value that she placed on what she was looking for. What about you? Do you value looking for the presence of God? Or is it something that, huh, maybe happens? Maybe it's once a week. Maybe it's more than that. And I just want to encourage you that God is there waiting for you to realize that he's there. So for me, I'm just going to give you a little insight on some of my stuff, is that I've been doing things a little bit differently. So one, like, I have ADHD, so I get very distracted by the world. You know, you ever spend alone time, all right, I'm going to spend two minutes in quiet, then all of a sudden you come out and you have your plan for whatever you're working on, and then you have your to-do list, all right, i got to email this person, that, you know, your mind starts working. So one thing that I do, I've been playing like music in the background, but I can't have words, so it has to be instrumental music, and I'll just put that on, and I'll just sit. Similarly, like Elijah, who's an Old Testament prophet, he says this in 2 Kings, but now bring me a harpist. While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon him. So this gave me permission. So sometimes, like, give me my Spotify, <laughs> and I'll just sit. And what I found is that God will reveal himself more and more and more. And what I'll do is I'll take scriptures that I know and I'll bring them to life in my, in my thoughts and in my prayers. Lord, you say that you are with me. Lord, I'm just going to envision you with me. 
You say that you take my anxieties. Paul says, cast your anxieties. So I'm just going to throw those on you. And we look at Ezekiel. He, he was at the river bank. I don't know about you, but every time you're in a river or the ocean, it seems just such an amazing place. And so sometimes I'll do that. I'll go down to a place that I know in nature is going to give me a, a peaceful heart. Ezekiel's at a river bank. Jesus will go out to the wilderness. Elijah went on a mountaintop. Maybe it's just a walk. Maybe it's just in your bedroom. Whatever it is, this is my challenge with you. Would you just sit with the Lord for a little bit? Not debate him. Just sit. And now that we are aware, we can continue this journey without having to be scared. This is what Isaiah says in 43. It's one of my favorite verses because it's a reminder that God is with us. And he says this, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, who formed you, Israel, because Jacob's name did turn to Israel. Ah, now it's making more sense. Jacob becomes Israel, the country, the nation. Do not fear For I have redeemed you. I have saved you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. And when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Notice he doesn't say, avoid the waters. He says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep you over. When you walk through the fire... You will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Peace comes not from the absence of trouble, but from the presence of God. And then Psalm 23, David says this, And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The theme is this. If we are aware that Jesus is with us, then we can go through and tackle anything. Amen? The question is, are you aware? Are you aware? Psalm 34 says this. God is close to the brokenhearted. What I think the psalmist is saying is not that he's not close to to anybody else. But if you have been brokenhearted, there is a reminder that's needed that he's close. Because I think oftentimes when we're brokenhearted, we feel abandoned. And what he's saying is, no, 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 no. He is close to the brokenhearted. I want to share a story with you guys. So lately, I've been writing down uh, our story over the last six or seven years. If you're new, uh, and, and I talk about it quite a bit, mostly because it's so impacting, is that our daughter was diagnosed with cancer, and after four years of battling, I went to be with Jesus. And God was with us. And so as I'm writing down our story, and I'm doing it for two reasons. One, I want to be reminded myself that the Lord was with us. 
I want to be reminded of myself. It's almost reliving that, okay, God, now that I have some time, what was this all about? <laughs> the second thing is I want to do it for our kids and our grandkids to say, look, look at what God has done during a nightmare that we went through. And so this story is very unique, and I felt like as I'm writing this, I feel like this is a time to share with you all, so I'm going to do that. And I don't, there's a lot there, and I'm just going to be open and honest with you, saying, one, I haven't figured it out, and two, like, a lot of this is out of my comfort zone. So some of you may resonate with this. Some of you may say, this is just so weird. But this is why I firmly believe God has placed on my heart to share with you. So after Ellie was diagnosed and she had about a year of treatment and she actually was doing really well. She had no evidence of disease. We are on the home front. We thought, great, glory to God. He has healed her. I was coming back from a class at seminary at Gordon-Conwell from Hamlet. I'm coming back and on the radio, on a sports radio station, there was a story of a boy who had just passed away from cancer who was on the radio station often through the Jimmy Fund, which is the outpatient cancer pediatric ward at Dana Farber that both Ellie and Emmy are a part of. And I remember just getting a gut punch, and I remember pleading with God, God, do not let this be Ellie's story. Right? Sometimes reminders of hard things can trigger things, and so this is my debate. And this is what I felt, and a lot of people say, well, how do you know God is speaking? And that's a great question that we will dive in later, and we sprinkled it in. You know? uh, but in this particular thing, I believe that God was speaking to me and said, it will not be Ellie. And I'm like, oh, well, great, but how do I know that's not my voice saying that or your voice? And then this is the weirdest thing. I felt, like a, I felt God saying, I'm going to give you a sign. And here's your sign. If you see deer on the side of the road, and I know this sounds crazy, this will be a sign of my promise. So, am I making this up? I, 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 this is, so I, I'm on my way home, and I'm debating God, right? Like, God, I don't want to put you to test. God, this is not how it works. I did not grow up this way. I don't do this, blah, blah, blah. blah. And lo and behold, there's these two deer right on the side of the road that I've never seen before. It's September 11th. 2 p.m. in the afternoon, full sun. It was about 80 degrees out. And here they are. And I pull over and I just start to weep. Because I'm like, God, you know what I am interpreting this as, right? Anybody have done this before? So if you're saying this and you know, then, then this has to be true. And I receive it. So I had a confidence booster. Come home. The only person I told was Kate. I said, the Lord has told me Ellie's going to be all right. Well, a few months later, Ellie relapses. But I'm like, that's all right. God never said she wouldn't relapse, just said that she's going to be okay. That she's going to beat this cancer. And so during the relapse, struggling a lot. All right, God, is this what you said? I don't know. I want it to be true. I don't know. And so it was Easter of that year. And I'm lying in bed. Almost every morning I would wake up paralyzed. And I don't want to face the day because the day is going to be hard. Anyone feel like that before? And so I'd go and I would sit and I would pray. And I would kind of do what Jacob did and say, God, I just need to be aware of your presence. Because if you are with me, then I can go out into the world. 
And on this one particular day in Easter, the light shone. And I was frustrated because God hadn't, like, confirmed anything. And on this post, this really random post, there was this wood stain. And the light only shined in the six-inch area of this wood stain. And it illuminated a wood stain that was the outline of a deer. And I was like, holy cow. Thank you, Jesus. Whatever it was, it gave me confidence to go through the day and through the year. Ellie gets healed, hallelujah, but then relapses again. This time, nothing's working. COVID hits. We're on a Zoom call. Our doctor said, it's bad. It's really bad. And I just said, okay, I got to get out of here. And I just started walking out of my garage, out of my driveway. I walk in the woods near us. And I start, I want to say having a holy moment, but it was really an anger moment. And I started shouting out the Lord. and said, God, you need to tell me that everything's going to be okay. This is my debate. Anyone have those conversations with the Lord? God, you need to tell me that it's going to be fine. Remind me of what you've chosen. So there's this field out there. And I'm like, this is what I'm picturing. God, I'm going to go in this field, and I'm going to see a herd of deer as a reminder, as a symbol of your promise. I walk up with anticipation, and I see nothing. And I am upset. I'm going up and down this field. The field had like, hadn't been cut, so it was about this high. And there's these offshoots to these bluebird boxes that go about 10 yards. And I'm walking, and I'm literally stopping my tracks, and the spirit said, go up this 10-yard uh, trail. I'm like, oh, what? So I turn around, I go up, and I get to the bluebird box. I look in front of me, and 10 feet is a deer standing me in the face. It's like, whoa. God, stop playing games with me. I know it's weird. I'm not a sign guy. Go home. God spoken. Two weeks before Ellie ultimately went to heaven, she wanted to take out, and I'm going downtown, and I'm just struggling because I believed it, but I'm not seeing it. And I'm in the industrial park in Newberry Airport. It's about 6 o'clock at night, and I'm driving. Truth be told, I'm probably looking for deer as I'm driving, and bam, hit a deer. Hit it dead right on the spot. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. Shook me up a lot. Not just because it shakes you up if you hit a deer, but just kind of like, okay, God, what are you doing? Like, it's this weird, like. And so I'm trying to process this over and over and over and over and over again. So I call my pastor growing up. Grew up in a traditional church, and I knew he would kind of keep me straight a little bit. So I would inform him, said, I know I'm crazy. Can you just help me not be crazy? And so he would call me up, and I'll call him, and I would like say, this is what happened. And it got to a point, he's like, all right, any, any deer stories? And I'm like, this is so weird, but yeah, this happened. And I said, could you tell me what it means? And I'll never forget what he said. He said this, Andy, I cannot tell you what's going on, but what I do know for sure is that God is reminding you that he's close. He's close. And I internalized that. 
We try so hard to predict what God is doing, and we forget that God is present. Anybody with me on that? God, just tell me what you're doing, and in telling me what you're doing, I can have the confidence to continue my journey. And what God is trying to tell us is, I just want you to know that I'm here, and I'm present. So right after I hit this deer, Ellie, who was really into art, painted this picture, having no idea what's going on inside of my head. This is the picture up here, if you can see it. Having no idea, two weeks before she went to see Jesus. And I remember her painting it. Kate was next to her, looks at me, and I go over like, Ellie, what are you painting? And boom, like, oh. Are you, are you painting what I think you're painting? And Kate's emotional. I'm emotional. Ellie's kind of like, what's the big deal, guys? <laughs> and then, for some reason, which we don't really know of. I mean, there was a time months before where we saw a deer in our backyard, and we did quote a verse from Habakkuk. Ellie says, Mama, can you write down, I give you feet like a deer? which is from Psalms, but also from Habakkuk 3, which is in the Bible, which she's quoting a verse. I give you feet like a deer. So you tell, what in the world is going on? Here's Habakkuk's story really briefly, is that Habakkuk was a prophet who God said, I am going to destroy Israel. Jacob, I'm going to destroy God's people through the Babylonians. Habakkuk didn't like this news. Habakkuk's name is wrestling with God. That's what it actually means, is wrestling with God. So he starts wrestling with God. God, don't do that. Yes, I'm going to do that. Don't do that. That's a stupid idea, God. Yeah, that's what I'm doing. And at the very end of it, he says this. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and fields produce no food, Though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. Basically, things are bad. Things are bad. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. And he enables me to tread on the heights. And what I believe God is saying is, I may not move the mountains in your life, but I'm going to give you the feet to climb them. Because I am with you. And I may not show you what's going to happen. I may not reveal to you my plan, but rest assured I have a plan. That we, like Jacob, could say, surely the Lord is in this place, and I was not aware of it. We're going to go into a, a time of reflection right now in your seats. And this is my prayer for you right now. This Could we start now just by yourself? Could we just be aware of his presence? I want you to ask yourself two questions. One, where are you struggling to see God? 
You can be specific. It could be, God, I've struggled to see you anywhere. <laughs> so bring it to the Lord. Where are you struggling to see the Lord? And second, Lord, if you are with me, I'm asking for the feet like a deer to climb the mountains that are in front of me. Lord, where are you? And Lord, help me. I just want you to spend, it's only going to be about three or four minutes, and then the band's going to come up and play, so it's not a lot of time. But let this time be a time where maybe you can, like Habakkuk, wrestle with the Lord a little bit. Let me pray for us as we enter. Lord, I pray, God, even the weird, dear stories that still make sense, I'm still processing, Lord. I know it's weird, but Lord, I, I believe that you are a God who is present at all times, Lord, so let us not falter on your existence. Let us not falter on being aware. Let us not falter on the peace that you have given us. So Lord, I ask you right now, in this room right now, that you would just be, your presence would be illuminated. Illuminate your presence, Lord. You're not a God that plays hide and seek. You are a God who wants to be found. Who, in fact, is seeking for seeking us. Tapping us on the shoulder, asking us to turn around, asking us to look at you, Lord. So I just pray right now, in this moment, Lord, that we say we want we want to see you, Lord. We want to see you present. We want to have confidence that you're at work, Lord. And Lord, even though you may not move the mountains, Lord, I'm going to put on the feet like a deer to climb them. You would give me the strength that can come from no other thing except for you, Lord. There are people in this room right now who are beat up, bruised, giving up. Lord, would you just infuse them with your spirit? Lord, would you right now, Lord, give them the strength to say, I got you. I am here. Let's do this together. And I do believe that one day it will be all worth it. Not only to the life to come, Lord, but the life that we receive now in you, Jesus. So, Lord, we ask for illumination of your presence in this moment.